You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Blue Sky Missions. Whether you're an individual seeking to go on a missions trip or a church leader wanting to take your group, Blue Sky can make it happen. Learn more today at blueskymissions.org. You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. You've got tough questions. We'll try to give you easy answers. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Welcome back to another episode of Theology for the Rest of Us. I'm your host, Kenny Ortiz, coming at you from beautiful Orlando, Florida. Glad you are listening. Today we have a very cool, unique episode. We have an interview with a dear friend of mine. Her name is Aubrey Sampson. She is a author, speaker. Uh, her and her husband are church planters in the Chicago area, and she travels quite a bit speaking on the topic of shame. So I really think it's going to be great content quick backstory on this interview before we dive in. Uh, About a year and a half ago, I was the co-host of a great podcast called The Inspiring Awesome Podcast. I co-hosted that with one of my absolute best friends in the world, James Carberry. And basically, we would sit down with people and just talk about cool stories, the cool, awesome things they had done, and kind of lessons they had learned. And our hope was that the podcast would inspire people to just go do awesome stuff in the world. We saw a lot of traction with the podcast. We saw way more downloads than we ever thought we would. Um, it was a really, really great project. Um, but because of the busyness of life, we had to shut it down. So we're no longer producing new episodes. Uh, however, the, the old ones are still out there. So you can still check it out, inspiringawesomepodcast.com. Or you can just search that in iTunes, search for Inspiring Awesome. There, There's more than 55 episodes, I believe. Uh, some really great interviews with some really great content that I think you would enjoy. However, when we shut it down, we had about 10 episodes that we had recorded, but we had never actually published. And one of them was this interview with Aubrey Sampson. So we actually did this interview more than a year ago. And this was before Aubrey's book came out. So you'll hear an interview. She's talking about a book that is scheduled to come out. But of course, because the interview's old, the book has actually already come out. It came out in October of 2015. So you'll hear her talk about that. There's some great insights in this interview from Aubrey, just talking about uh, what a detriment shame is in our lives, and more importantly, how we can overcome shame, obviously through our understanding of the gospel and our relationship with Christ. And so I'm very, very confident you're going to enjoy this interview with Aubrey, and that you're going to walk away with some really valuable insights on the topic of overcoming shame. So without further ado, here is my interview with Aubrey Sampson. We are on the line with Aubrey Sampson from very cold Chicago, <laughs> Illinois, and uh, we were just talking offline a moment ago, um, and she's incredibly jealous of those of us living in Central Florida. Aubrey, how is it in Chicago today? Uh, I am looking out my window, literally just we are covered in snow. My kids didn't have school all week. I want to be in Central Florida, and yeah, I, I don't like you at all right now. You know, I tell you, people tell me often, um, I, I'm from Pennsylvania, and people who live here will say, oh, I would love to be in the snow. It's because they've never lived in it. That's the reason why. <laughs> you're exactly right. Like, it's gorgeous for a day, and then you're just, you know, when it's negative eight outside, you're over it very quickly. So shout out to all of our listeners that live above the Mason-Dixon line where it's cold and snowy. <laughs> That's right. Um, shout out to you. I love and admire you and invite you to come live in Florida. So feel free. Um, 
Well, Aubrey is a uh, an author. Her book comes out this year. Uh, more than that, um, she is a friend of mine. We've got a chance to know each other uh, through a mentorship program. We were both in at the same time um, it, with uh, Shannon Etheridge, a best-selling author, and I've got a chance to know Aubrey and love her story and what she's doing. And so, just for the benefit of uh, of our audience, Aubrey, you tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Thanks, Kenny. Um, Yep, you know, my husband and I have been in ministry in the Chicago area for the past probably 12 years, and recently we um, started a leadership residency program. We are in the process of planting our very first church in the West Chicago area, so it's a super exciting time for us. I have also um, been a blogger, a writer, a speaker for women's groups and for ministry, I mentor an amazing group of 20-something women, and often what I talk about is the topic of overcoming shame in Christ. And I, I do want to say this, too. Kevin and I just celebrated our 14th wedding anniversary. Yay! So, yes, very exciting. And we actually, we have a friend who works for the Chicago Bulls, and he let us go center court while the Bulls were warming up. We got to take pictures. We got to hang out with some of the players. They wrote happy anniversary, Kevin and Aubrey, on the Jumbotron. So, anyway, very cool 14th wedding anniversary for us. Very, very cool. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Aubrey, you, I know you're going to, you're not going to be the self-promoter, so I'll promote you and let you know. Aubrey Sampson uh, blogs, not just for random, you know, small sites. She's been a part of some bigger projects and um, really has gained some traction in being an expert in, in the areas that you're discussing. So I'm excited about your book. Can you tell us a little bit about kind of what the book's going to be about and what inspired it? Yes, thanks, Kenny, for saying that. Um, uh, yeah, the book is on the topic of overcoming shame in Christ. You know, over the years, I just began to notice that almost every single person we were in ministry with was dealing with some sort of unnamed oppressive emotional weight. You know, everyone we were around was feeling like either a little bit or, you know, really deeply they just weren't enough. They didn't belong. Something was disqualifying them. Even when Kevin and I were in, we lived in Zambia for a year there, the women and the men were dealing with shame. And I just began to realize through my own journey, through these people that we have the privilege of serving in ministry, that so many people are dealing with shame without even realizing it. Um, and, you know, the topic is an evergreen topic. More and more it's becoming more popular to talk about, and I am so thankful that authors and speakers are, are finally feeling brave enough to share their own stories of shame. Um, but what I, I found sort of lacking from the conversation, people were talking about God, people were talking about religion, but I, I just found that a lot of people still aren't talking about what does Jesus do with our shame? What's a practical theology of overcoming shame in Christ look like? What does the Bible talk about shame? So I wanted to share my stories. I wanted to share other people's stories. I wanted to share, like, what does Jesus do with our shame? Um, Anyway, so that sort of began the the process of writing for me. That's really, really cool. I think uh, it's easy to have kind of those big, ambiguous conversations, but when you use the word practical, like, how does this really apply to my life? Um, yeah. I think that's where you begin to really see some life change in some people. That's really cool. Uh, how, so you talk about shame being a, a big deal. You said many different people have dealt with it. Even It's obviously not an American problem because you mentioned right. living in, in an African nation, uh, Zambia, and people there dealing with that. Um, how, how does shame really impact the average person? You know, if I'm a 
regular Joe living my life, how does shame impact me in a way that maybe I don't realize? Yeah, you know, I think the difficulty about um, the topic of, of something like shame is that we often think it's reserved for those unfortunate few who have suffered these deep traumas uh, from their past, and, and and it's there, trust me. Shame is in those places, but shame is also in the mundane parts of our life. I have a friend, just recently we went out to dinner, and she was like, Aubrey, I have to talk to you about something. I have to get this off my chest. It's been really bothering me. And I'm thinking this is going to be this huge, life-altering conversation. And she just says, I went to the dentist this week, and I had three cavities. I am so ashamed. I thought I took such great care of my teeth. And, you know, it's kind of laughable. You're like, oh, okay, whatever. But that's just it. Shame is at the dentist's office. You know, it's at the dermatologist. Mm. Anytime we feel rejected, anytime we fail, whether it's sports or finances or relationships. Um, I just talked to another friend of mine. He's been a Christian his whole life. And he just said um, because he's not where he thought he would be career-wise at this age, he feels so much shame. For mm. women, we feel shame when we, you know, step on a scale, when we look in the mirror sometimes, when our dreams don't come true, when we aren't reaching goals we thought we'd, we would reach. Um, you know, we feel secondhand shame if we have a critical parent or an absentee parent. We feel shame in the Christian culture. We're supposed to operate above reproach all the time, and we feel like, well, if we're not feeling ashamed, then we must be dealing with pride. And it's just you know, it's this no-win situation, really. We have secret shames if we have addictions or things that we're hiding. The point is, I mean, I could go on and on about shame, but, um, you know, it's not the only thing we deal with. But I, I have a friend, I think it's really true. He says that shame is like that phenomenon when you see a new car for the first time and then you begin to see that car everywhere. Yeah. Once, once we begin to recognize shame in our lives, we really begin to see how much it impacts every single day. Wow. Uh, I think that phenomenon, I mean, often has been used in different illustrations. I've never heard it used to just to talk about shame. And just realizing in my own life, I think I've had some personal experiences in the last few months where I think I've had that same mm -hmm. sort of feeling. Uh, how does, let's say I'm a person, um, you know, I, Kenny is single, so I, I don't, I've ne never been married. <laughs> but let's, the average person who is married, how does shame maybe play out and affect um, marriage? How does it affect parenting relationships, you know, mom and daughter or, you know, father-son, how are some family dynamics affected by shame? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, in families, I, I think, you know, oftentimes when we have things in our past that we're ashamed of, whether it's mistakes we have made or something that has maybe been done to us or stolen from us, a lot of times there's, I'm not sure why, but there's a family dynamic where we think we need to keep those things a secret. Maybe we're trying to protect a grandparent or, or we're trying to protect our kids from making our own, the mistakes we made or something like that. But oftentimes that just continues that pattern of shame. Um, anytime, anytime we keep shame in the darkness, shame wants to isolate. Shame wants to make us feel like we aren't alone. Anytime we don't talk about our past or talk about the deep things that we feel, talk about those fears, that just perpetuates shame. So, I, you know, I think, you know, on a shallow level, things like, hey, my kid, the kid across the street reads at a higher level than my kid reads, that can make me feel ashamed. Anytime we compare ourselves, that can make us feel ashamed. Um, in marriage relationships, I mean, 
you know, I think of the women that I've I've spoken to recently who have opened up about their husband's pornography addictions. Or, um, you know, maybe they don't feel like they're the best cook. I mean, you know what I mean? Shame is just in so many little aspects of our lives when we compare ourselves to other people. Um, I was just talking to a woman recently who found out that her husband has been having um, several affairs for years. And she was saying to me how she felt like it must be her fault because she wasn't a good enough wife. She wasn't a pleasing enough woman to him sexually. And, you know, I mean, those are obviously big issues, but you can just see how how this man's sort of shame in that he's seeking out pornography because for whatever reason he's not satisfied perpetuates her shame. So that can happen in a marriage situation. I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah, ab- absolutely. And I, you know, thinking is, you know, the the over and over again, um, you know, in youth ministry, I work with students, and how often um, shame comes up. Um, you know, a student says, "I've done this thing," or "This thing mm-hmm. was done to me," or "There's mm-hmm. whatever X Y Z thing happened in my life, and now I'm ashamed, and therefore it inhibits their confidence." Um, oftentimes, yeah. you know, when students come to me and they're trying to ask for a you know, I'm praying. I don't feel like God's listening, and I get to the root of the matter, and it's it's not that they don't feel like God's listening. It's actually they're ashamed, and yeah. there's this sense of shame gets in the way of their confidence in prayer and their confidence in their relationships, and and I, much like you mentioned, it, it can play itself out in small ways or in much larger ways, um, yeah. and have a huge impact. Uh, now I'm going to put you a, a little bit on the spot and 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 ask if you don't mind, could, would you be willing to share with our audience maybe? Maybe just one or two stories from your own personal life where shame has really been an obstacle that you face, and more importantly, how you were able to overcome that. Sure. Um, I I would love to share those stories. Um, the first time I can I can remember experiencing shame, you know, really clearly. I may have had some other experiences of it as a young girl, but when when I was in junior high, I rode the bus like a lot of us, which was uh, you know kind of a traumatic experience in and of itself where right. the cool kids sit in the back and if you're not cool you don't get to sit in the back of the bus. But anyway, um I got invited to sit on the back of the bus one day with some of those cool kids and I remember being so excited because there were some boys in the back of the bus that I just I mean, I daydreamed about these boys. I had a huge crush on these boys. They were a couple years older than me. And so I was so excited I got to hang out with them at the back of the bus. But um you know, things turned a little bit dark because one of those afternoons on the way home from school, these older boys held me down and they lifted up my shirt and they groped me and, um, you know, other things happened that you can only imagine happen on the back of the bus. And, you know, at the time, I think the difficulty was as a young girl, I thought that it was my fault because I liked them. You know, I flirted with them. I wanted their attention. And so I never told anybody what happened. And for years, I kind of brushed it off as not a big deal. It wasn't a big deal. It was this small moment, you know, whatever. It was my fault. I invited it. And so, you know, you'd think a situation like that would have me sort of running in the opposite direction from boys. But it the experience sort of awakened this really twisted logic in me where I began to think, oh, 
if I like a boy, then I need to have his sexual attention. And so I began to just pursue really one unhealthy relationship after the other. And I write about this in my book, but eventually, um, it, for me, kind of the culmination of this was um, when I was 17, year old, 17 years old, I worked at a restaurant, and my boss, who was a much older man, would lock me in his office and sexually abuse me. And again, at the time, I just, I thought not only was his behavior acceptable, it was desirable because that meant, oh, he likes me. Oh, suddenly I have validity. Suddenly I matter. And so so for me, shame was just kind of the residual feelings of, wow, I am, I allowed that to happen. I, I'm terrible. I'm not good enough. This disqualifies me. Um, and so for years, I actually buried those experiences. I never told anyone about the bus. I never told anyone about my boss. I kept them quiet, even into being married to Kevin. And we were at a church planting conference in New York City maybe 10 years ago. It was actually at Tim Keller's church. And one of the pastors there began talking about taking his daughters out on daddy-daughter dates and how he wanted his daughters to know how they were supposed to be treated by men, and it just triggered something in me, and all of a sudden these memories came back, and the weight of the shame came back. I lost it in the middle of the conference, and basically, to make a long story short, I left the conference kind of immediately because I was causing such a scene, getting so emotional. Kevin followed me out. He said, what's going on? And I said, babe, I have to tell you something, but I am so ashamed to do it. And for the first time, I began talking about some of these things in my past. And Kevin said to me, he said something that I will never forget. He said, Aubrey, I love you. I know that you're haunted by shame. But I want you to know that Jesus loves you in a way that you cannot even begin to imagine, and you need to give this to him. And so that really began the process for me of returning home, beginning to cut old ties from the past. I went through Christian counseling. I began searching the scripture, researching shame, grieving for this little girl in me who felt, you know, like so much had been taken from her. Um, Above all else, I think what I finally began to realize is there will always be times in life when we experience shame, you know, probably every single day to some degree. But in Christ, shame does not have us. Shame does not control us. Shame is not our identity because Jesus is our identity. That's right. And so that's what finally began to set me free. And not even just knowing who I am in Christ, but knowing who Christ is in me. He is my shame remover. And so I never have to be ashamed again. Anyway, sorry, that was probably longer than you wanted. No, that was fantastic. I absolutely love that. Um, there's a couple things you said that really kind of grabbed me. You really want to just highlight because I don't, I don't want people to miss it. Um, the, the, the biggest thing is just the idea that I had these experiences that seemed, um, that, you know, you, you were saying, I brushed them off, it's no big deal, you know. Mm-hmm. That's what, you know, I think I've had conversations with people and they'll say things like, well, you know, that's just, you know, whatever, it's no big deal, you know, I'm over it. And I, I think we don't realize the impact that some of those experiences, even if they seem small and trivial at the time, um, really can have. They're actually not small and trivial at all. Yeah. They, they can yeah. have massive impacts, and something can happen in junior high, and then all of a sudden, many years later, we're at a conference, and something is said that triggers that. You know, yeah. like like you, you talked about being at that conference. Thank you for being transparent and vulnerable and sharing that. Um, 
and I really appreciate you talking about, hey, really doing what it, you started to do some work to kind of overcome um, shame and really deal with that. Give us a timeline, and not not because a timeline fits, it's not a one, you know, one size fits all. What's the timeline you would say, hey, I was really dealing with shame in, in a crippling way to the point where I felt like I, I've got some real freedom. I began to see some real freedom from this. What was that time frame like? Yeah, you know, I think that, so that point in New York City was probably, um, uh, probably 10 years ago now, 10 years after um, kind of some of those shameful memories, but then, you know, 10 years later. So I'd say for me, it was a good year of being in counseling, spending a lot of time, I, you know, I even eventually went back and, and revisited the, the restaurant where I worked, which I would not recommend that to everyone, but for me, that was an important part of the healing process um, to be able to walk back into that space. Um, so that sort of intentional process was probably a year, two years, but then I'd say there has been, you know, an ongoing process of being able to forgive those men in my life, um, and that's something that sometimes I even have to do every single day, is remember, hey, they are deeply wounded people too, and and so there's a reason that they were acting it out, acting out on me. I don't think it's okay, but I did want to get to a place where I could forgive them. And so, you know, I'd say now I have been a woman like just set free from shame, passionate about helping other people overcoming shame. For you know, I feel like I've been free for like eight years now, where it's not even, you know, shame is something I still experience, but it's not it's not something that controls me anymore. Does that answer wow. your question? Yeah, absolutely it does. And it's incredibly encouraging. Um, and, he, and to me is because I think so many of us uh, deal with things for all of our lives. You know, I'm yeah. I'm here 32, I'll be 33 this year, and I think about things that I've dealt with, and, and I think to myself, hey, if someone can have experiences like Aubrey has, and it's wounded her, but within, in, in the grand scheme of life, what is a year or two or three, or even if it's five mm-hmm. years, uh, of kind of some counseling and some really deep soul searching, um, gosh, it looks like some real great freedom can be had. Emotional, spiritual freedom. People can mm-hmm. really, with the right work, can really deal with some of these issues. And then, so hey, if you're somewhere in your 40s and a, if you're early 40s and you got to take five years, well now you have, you get to your mid or late 40s of, and you're living some freedom, and now you've got 30 years of free life. Um, right. I, I think what your story does. I think could do for a lot of people, myself included, is to say, hey, it's actually really encouraging. You know, if I'm willing to put some work in um, and really do some, do the right, take the right steps, then I can, I can actually live a life of freedom. I'm not, I'm not doomed to do this forever. I'm not doomed to allow this to control me. Um, and as you said perfectly, I wanted to highlight it. It's so good. You said, uh, I still experience this. This isn't something that goes away because I live on planet Earth where people are going to hurt us and shame us. Right. Things right. like that happen but it doesn't control me any, anymore, you said. And that, I think, is the the key. The goal is not to get people to a point where they never deal with something, but the goal is, is to be healed and be emotionally whole so that it doesn't control us. And I think that's a, a great point you just made. And I uh, think the other thing, too, is that you, you change a legacy for your family. You know, if you one day you have kids or you have kids now, when you begin the work of, of facing your own shame, you also begin the work of teaching your children how to live without shame. And, and so it's, you know, not only benefits you, it benefits other people. That's so great. 
you, you no longer the baggage that I've dealt with doesn't it doesn't have to go on to my kids. It doesn't have to right. go on. It doesn't have to continue to cripple my marriage the way it did. It crippled my parents' marriage or my right. dynamics, my relationships the way it's crippled other people that I that that I may have learned them from or inherited them from in some way through the course of my life. Um, it's really 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 cool. Um, and so you know, now you've it's we talk a lot about this in a lot of our episodes on the podcast is people who are doing awesome things, you know, they're, they're able to accomplish some form of um, you know, overcoming of some obstacle. Uh, but what we often love to, to hear about is, you know, they're probably, you're probably yeah, surely you're not the only woman on the planet to have dealt with shame and, and overcome it, right? To, to dealt with shame right. and to live in freedom in a way that doesn't control you. Um, but of the percentage of women that, that fall in that category, the percentage of them that go on to say, I'm going to make this a point of my life to kind of mentor others in this, that percentage is it's much smaller. So you, you didn't just overcome it for yourself. You decided, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blog about this. I'm going to intentionally mentor young women and, and have this kind of a, a part of my life. It's going to be a part of my platform. What mm-hmm. was, it, was there anything over the last several years that kind of triggered that to say, now it's no longer just about me overcoming this, but I really want this to be a platform for me to help others overcome this? Yeah, I mean, I think part of it, Kenny, you talked about our mutual mentor through the mentorship program with Shannon Etheridge, um, who in her own story, she began to talk about her story and that healed other people. And, and I just began to feel like, hey, I can't keep this to myself anymore. But then the other thing, like you said, is, is the more women I talked to and the more women I met, um, you know, just my friends or women in ministry or other connections, you know, I met these amazing women who... One woman I can think of, she was abandoned by both of her parents, and now she's an adoption counselor. I met another woman who um, was in a a physically abusive marriage, and now she is an advocate for women in situations of domestic violence. I met another woman woman who was just in the throes of anorexia as a young girl, and now she's a therapist at an eating disorder clinic. I met a a man who was sexually abused most of his childhood, and now he actually runs an organization for other men who've been victims of sexual abuse. And so I think for me, seeing how God not only rescued these people from their shameful, potentially shameful situations, but also redeemed them so that these Mm -hmm. people are, you know, they're not just being healed from their past, they're now like creating a brighter future for other people. That gave me the courage to say, okay, I, you know, that, the, those are the stories I want to tell. That's the story I want to live. Awesome. That's, you know, those are the stories I want to tell. Those are the stories I tell in my blog. Those are the stories I tell in my book. But that's also the life I want to live, you know, just to see how God not only sets us free but completely redeems and repurposes our pain. Super, super cool. And we, we've talked about this in some of our previous episodes, but the idea of turning our pain into purpose. And it seemingly mm. is what you've done. You've taken your pain, and I'm going to make this purposeful, and I'm going to I'm going to use this as the platform to help others. I, I love what you just said. Obviously, James and I are passionate about this because uh, because you know we love the idea that stories inspire you. Not only saying, "Hey, stories have inspired me of others that have done it," but actually, off the top of your head, you're able to uh, you know mention and list this story and this story and this story. And that's the power of, of human story. And as we tell yeah. our story, uh, it really unlocks inspiration and motivation for others. And so anyone listening to this, may Aubrey's story be an ins- inspiration to you um, to also allow your story to become an inspiration to others. 
you know, we've got a bunch of different types of people listening, um, people who, you know, everything from a stay-at-home mom to CEOs, pastors, people in nonprofit space, corporate space, all the above. Um, and we've got people that, have, that are doing awesome stuff, and we've got some people that maybe want to do some awesome stuff but maybe mm-hmm. haven't quite stepped into that. For, for that person who's listening to this that thinks, man, I'd like to be a blogger, I'd like to be an author, or I'd like to do X, Y, Z, you know, fill in the blank with whatever dream that person may have, but they haven't actually stepped up to actually starting to do that. What's the biggest piece of advice that you would give to that person? Um, you know, I, I think going back to just this topic of shame, one of the things that keeps us from doing those things that we just really want to do is that one of the biggest lies that shame tells us is that our weakness or our brokenness somehow disqualifies us from being used powerfully or from doing those awesome things like you're talking about. Um, You know, that feeling that we're not good enough or we're not prepared enough or we're not educated enough or we've made too many mistakes or, you know, whatever. Shame causes us to question our fitness as leaders, as employees, as spouses, as dating material, as bloggers, you know, whatever. Um... I think the biggest piece of advice I could say is this. At the end of the day, hey, we may not be enough in a lot of those scenarios, but for the Christians out there, he who is in us is more than enough, Mm. and he qualifies us. And even if you're not a Christian out there and you want to do awesome things, do not allow your shame to make you feel disqualified because our, you know, our brokenness, like you were just saying, Kenny, our brokenness can be transformed into beauty, our pain into purpose. And so never allow shame to keep you from pursuing what you want to do and do those awesome things. And like you said, you know, sometimes you just got to sit down and do them. But <laughs> don't let shame disqualify you. That's good. If you're listening to this, you are not disqualified. And, um, mm-hmm. and shame, shame can cripple us in so many ways. We can allow our brokenness to be turned into beauty. That is, that will be a tweet from the Inspiring Awesome handle at some point in the next few days because it is a powerful nice. truth. So, uh, Aubrey Sampson, thank you so much um, for choosing to do awesome things. Thank you for being willing to spend time on the phone uh, today to, to speak to our audience. Um, tell us, how can our listeners stay connected with you, social media, blog, email, whatever? How, how do they get connected to you if they want to be connected Yes, um, and I love connecting with people. So you can find me at AubreySampson.com or I'm on Twitter, Twitter at AubSamp, A-U-B-S-A-M-P. Um, I'm also on Facebook just under Aubrey Sampson. It's my author page, so you can find me there, and I would love to connect with you. Uh, get connected with all things Aubrey Sampson. Aubrey, thank you so much uh, again for spending time with us. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you for, for inspiring others to do awesome things. Thanks so much, Kenny. It's been so fun. And there we have it, Aubrey Sampson. I think now that you've heard that interview, you are probably understanding why I am such a big fan. Remember to connect with her on Twitter, Facebook. All of those things are still accurate, even though the interview was a year ago. You can also connect with her on her website, AubreySampson.com. And I would highly encourage for you to grab a copy of her book from any book-selling outlet like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or any other bookstore. 
Before I want to let you go, just a quick reminder, please subscribe to the podcast for every person that subscribe. It helps us in the search ranks on the iTunes directory, which helps us ultimately reach more people. It helps us out big time. If you'd like to connect with me directly, you can look me up on Twitter at Kenneth Ortiz. That's K-E-N-N-E-T-H-O-R-T-I-Z. Our intro and outro theme music has been I'm Shipping Out to Boston by the Dropkick Murphys. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this has been Theology for the Rest of Us.